Margot, uh, lovely to see you. Um, I, I think I think we met in Dima in Las Vegas quite some years ago. I think it was quite a few years ago, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's too nice many. to see you again. Too, too many to remember. So where are you based right now? Um, our corporate office is in Columbia, South Carolina. Ah, lovely. It's, it sounds warm at the moment. It, actually, it is really warm. I, it's I think because we've got um, Hurricane is it Nikki off the coast right now, oh. so we've been getting quite a few of the little tailwinds and things. But it's really eerily warm right now. Yeah, it's it's the same here in the UK. I mean, we're just way above our seasonal temperatures. It's just global global warming is really showing itself now. So uh, yeah, we're. Um, I would say I would agree because in South Carolina um, we're growing banana trees in the backyard quite well, <laughs> and that's uh, wow. <laughs> Margaret, I, I'm just looking at um, your website, um, Family Dive Adventures and Kids Sea Camp, and I have to say, first thing that that jumps out is it is full of happy, smiling faces, which is lovely. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about it and how it all came about? Yeah, um, Kitsy Camp was really the creation of my two children, uh, Robbie and Jen, and um, just wanting to share my life with the ocean and diving with them. And I was very frustrated as a single mom back in 2000. It was really hard to find um, resorts or places where kids could be engaged in the ocean and the marine environment or th there weren't many programs that really allowed them to get in the water and the ocean and and learn and so i i really wanted to create sort of a living classroom for them and being a single mom i wanted to create um a real global view of what the world was like and what family was like um i think that became ever more important after september 11th um, it was, it was a very difficult time for kids in the United States and, um, family became very, very important. And I think that our first kids see camp was in Curacao in the year 2001. And we had seven families that came with their children and each year it grew. The next year was, uh, 14 families and, then we expanded to Bonaire and Cayman and it just kept, it was just such an amazing concept where families were coming from all around the world really to uh, enjoy the ocean. Parents were diving, kids were learning about um, all kinds of different marine environments and, and programs and it's just evolved. Basically my, my children really helped with that. We started with Sassy and SEAL team the junior open water program went at age 10 and then we teach now 15 college credited courses we go all the way up to the patty pro courses and what's been amazing is over the past 23 years there's been so many kids that have made diving their career within marine sciences and environmentalists and bio biology studies and the fun part about it is we have quite a few really amazing young adults that now teach and travel with us at Kids Camp. That's fantastic. So you've been at it long enough to be able to see firsthand the effect it's had directly on families and their kids. Yeah, we even have 
um, so many grandparents that used to come with their kids and those kids are now parents with their own kids. So they're now grandparents that are coming. And it's funny, I asked the grandparents, you know, what do you love most about Kids Sea Camp and, and taking your children on travel adventures? And they all say pretty much the same thing that as they age, time becomes the most important um, thing with their grandchildren and their children. And they wanna give them memories that will last a lifetime. So scuba diving with your grandchildren and your children really does create memories to last a lifetime and experiences off the beaten path. And it creates an amazing global view. And, you know, in one of my um, speeches for Dima, I said, a lot of people think that oceans divide us, but for divers, they connect us. You know, we are connected to children and families and friends from all around the world. And it's really the, the ocean that connects all those dots together. And it makes kids think globally instead of just locally locally so they they learn globally but they act locally so they're they're caring more about what's going down the drain they're caring more about what their parents are purchasing at the supermarkets they are actually the ones with you know reminding their parents to take the cloth bags with them and recycling and it's amazing how this this youth is really driving the force for a better tomorrow it must be interesting also the fact that kids and families coming from different parts of the world and getting together. So that must in itself broaden their horizons immensely rather than just having kids or parents from the same school or area. To, to have this global effect uh, must be really powerful for them. It is extremely powerful. One of the things that we do at Kids Sea Camp is we have a whole bunch of stories that the families have written. Um, I think we've published quite a few of them on our website on familydivers.com. And, um, and sometimes I publish them in the magazines that I write for, but uh, some of the, the families that do travel with us are very privileged families. And those children are, they write about the open-mindedness. Like when we go to Fiji and we go to the Philippines and they see the poverty level with those families that are there, um, that they don't have electricity all times of the day, that they don't have windows or the elaborate homes that we do. Um, and it, it really humbles them. But also one of the things that's a common thread is they see how close those families are and how caring they are with each other, how respectful the younger children are with the elders, how they are they don't have a lot of of financial wealth but they've got a, a lot of wealth within love and respect within their family and i think part of what we do with the the weeks that we provide is we bring in that local culture so they see those traditions they see those uh cultures and they have a better understanding of why a little village in fiji man you know ma matters to a child sitting in, in Miami, Florida. You know, why does it matter? And I think it also breaks down prejudices. It breaks down isms that really just, just are fabricated through, you know, too much virtual um, worlds in, in these kids today. I think one of the things that we strive to do is really unplug them from all their virtual outlets and reconnect them to each other and to their families. And I think that's a, 
of one of the bright spots, the magic really in Kids Sea Camp is that we can do that. You don't see too many kids on their cell phones when they're traveling and scuba diving with us. <laughs> do, do you actually uh, allow them to have their, their iPads and phones at the camp or, or is that just taken away for a week? I think that they realize, I mean, we don't have any rules like that, but I think that it's amazing to watch the transformation from when they first arrive until it's time for them to go home because they realize, you know, there's no replay. You're not going to, you're not going to rewatch what you're missing out today, tomorrow, you know? So these kids are, they're enjoying scuba diving. And some of our, for example, in our Bonnier Kitsy camp, um, kids go blow carting, or land sailing on one of the world's largest salt tracks. They go tubing, they go slacklining, they are on an on a antiquated sailing schooner that they have a sunset cruise on and they can walk the plank. They're diving in beautiful turquoise water and with tarpon and big schools of fish and they're learning about corals and so, yeah, they just get off their cell phones. I think in the evening, what's really cool for me is they will get on their cell phones and they'll start pit, they'll start posting, you know, photos from the day and videos and Belize, they, they're swimming with loggerheads and they have nurse sharks around them like puppy dogs. And in St. Lucia on Chastanay, they're jungle biking and chocolate sensory tasting and they're volcano hiking and they're looking at the pitons and diving Superman's flight and it's amazing the things that they do in, in the Philippines, you know, how many kids get to dive with whale sharks in 35 feet of water with perfect visibility or thresher sharks off Monard Shoal. And, and it's just amazing the things that they get to do. And not just with me. I mean, for me, I just want to encourage families to travel, to dive and to be safe about it. I try to educate parents on how to pick really good um, dive vacations that are properly suited to their family's skill level and safety. And there's a lot of wonderful destinations out there that cater to all members of the family. So for example, when we have grandparents, we take care of them a little bit differently than we do, you know, avid divers, like they're not lugging their tanks and changing their own gear. We handhold our, our grandparents and we treat them with the respect of their, their, elder years and we make things easy and fun for them <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say what amazing amazing adventures these children i wish i wish i was a teenager again and i'd come and join you it's, it's you don't have to be a teenager you, <laughs> well, can, that's true. you can come and join us anyway <laughs> <laughs> it, wow if God, I'm just trying to think back if anything like that ever existed when when I was younger. But uh, no, not even close. I was thinking back um, just what you were saying earlier about about happy families and things. Having travelled most of the world, I think I can remember one family, and and this is very typical the happiest family i've ever seen were living in a little fishing village on a shack with nothing and the kids were happy the parents were happy they loved each other they looked after each other and they were in within that community and for the kids that you're taking on to be able to witness that uh, is just invaluable and wonderful 
Well, I think they realize the distractions, right? There's so much pressure for kids at school and sports and their busy everyday lives that I think they realize when they when they arrive the first day and all the kids are really the same, they're timid, they're, you know, they don't know anybody, but then there's this this calm and relaxedness that happens where they just unplug. They don't have the pressures of their everyday life. I, I will say that one of the first trips we ran after COVID, um, the kids cried. I mean, they were hugging each other. They were sitting around and singing on the boat. And they were, they were just, when we got them in the water on the first dive, they looked like they were doing just this zen diving because they were just so happy to be together, to be outside and to actually be in nature, in an environment where they could just touch, feel, and and be together in a way that they hadn't been able to be in almost two years. So I think COVID changed things in that aspect. The people that took, took that friendship and that socialness um, for granted, don't take it for granted too much um, with when they travel with us. I mean, I'm sure some of that's going back the other way now, but, um, we try to keep that very special. We try to create that calmness, that ease, that, you know, you're present in the moment. And and I think that the families really appreciate that we can do that because parents have very busy jobs and, and just everyday work that they're dealing with. And when they get home, you know, it's mealtime, it's homework time. And so we try to just create this little bubble Um where the only thing that's really important is them being together, having fun, relaxing, learning new things, meeting new like-minded people, and really learning and enjoying the ocean. I think that that's been our theme and it's worked really well. I mean, 23 years later, we've got over 80, uh, almost 8,000, coming up on 8,000 uh, certified youth divers. And we now have our empty nester travel program, which is because like myself, my son is now 28, my daughter's now 26, and they're all grown up. And parents still want to travel with Tom and I, they still want to travel the world and seek adventure with us. So we have a whole empty nester program where we do the Maldives and we do Lembe. We're doing an Africa trip this May and parents just love that. And then with our family dive adventures, which is just everyday dive travel, a lot of families just do their own individual vacations as well. And I work with dive shops. I love talking to dive shops about how to develop their their own kids programs. I think it's really important for dive shops to know that they have to create a window for the future. Like we are all aging out and we, we have to invest in kids. We have to invest in the youth because they are our future. And I think the dive shops can easily you know, create programs for SEAL teams and junior open waters. And that creates gear revenue for them. It creates a community. A travel um, program is very easy to create. You know, a lot of dive shops will say to me, well, Margo, what do I do with them once I get them certified? I mean, I, I'm not near the ocean. You know, well, then that's where you can develop your travel program. And, you know, I think that it's just a little bit easier for for people that have kids. I'm finding at DEMA this year, for example, a lot of young people are buying dive shops. I met more new dive shop owners this year at DEMA than any other year. And believe it or not, a lot of them are in their 30s 
or early 40s and their parents. And I was just so elated by that. It's just like a breath of fresh air. And they are asking me, look, we want to we want to bring kids into our dive shop programs. You know, how do we do that? So I have hope. I have renewed hope. And I think the dive shops are really going to um, start growing the industry again. I think I think the new young parents that are coming in are going to be um, really focusing on that. That is so good to hear. Uh, it's so good to hear because, you know, I mean, especially here in the UK for years and years, the, the, the age of divers has been increasing as we're all getting older and nobody younger following through. So what yeah. you're saying is just, it's music to my ears. It's lovely. That's I met one dive shop owner. I would say he's probably in his upper 40s. He just purchased 17 dive shops here in the United States. And he started with swim schools for kids. And I was so excited to meet him because I, I just am so excited when there's these dive shop owners that really believe in and treating and training and educating kids and families. And it, it's really what we need for the dive industry. So, like I said, it was just an exciting DEMA for me. I, I never had such an experience where I spoke to so many dive shops about kids programs and how to build them and how to create the travel programs. And I was so excited to just spend really most of my show time talking to parents and talking to dive shops about kids programs and a lot of the bigger manufacturers weren't there, but the ones that were came right over to me and were like, Margo, what does the industry need for kids gear? What do we need? And I'm like, little masks, little masks for little faces and little fins and little wetsuits. And, you know, we need we need those things. You know, I think it's the saying of build it and they will come. But I've been very happy with the equipment manufacturers so far. They've done a great job. Um, but I think educating families, really, they just don't know what's out there for kids. Like the SASE program is for four, five, and six, and seven-year-olds. And people don't even know that there's a program for little kids. SEAL team is eight and nine-year-olds, and they can dive in a confined pool or lagoon up to 12 feet with an instructor. And then there's even a master seal program. Patty has a master seal program that gives them a 20 foot depth. You know, we take seals to Palau. We take them to the Philippines. They actually get in the water with whale sharks. You know, we have fun with those little kids and the junior divers at 10 and 11. I mean, they are just so they're like little sponges. I have more fun with the kids than I do with the parents for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can understand that. Tell me, how do you finance all this? I'm sorry? How do you finance all this? How, oh. is, how is it all paid for? Well, I mean, it's a profit for a profit company. Kids Sea Camp is a for profit company. I mean, we charter, I have very long term relationships like with Paul Coolin and Michelle Coolin that own Buddy Dive. I've been working with Buddy Dive for 26 years this year. Um, Carolyn Trebetskoy that, that has Ancha Stene and Jade Mountain. I've been working with her for 26 years. So I have really good, solid relationships with the resorts around the world that I have personally handpicked to be family friendly, very safe and 
and who I have trusted and, and made bonds with over the years. So there's really no financing. I mean, I charter, I charter a resort or I charter a full liveaboard. I work with Explore Ventures. I think they're one of the most family friendly fleets in the industry. And Clay and I are actually really good friends. And I will call Clay up or Sue Hamilton, who works with him. And I'll say, you know, we're, we want to do the Red Sea. We're going to obviously do it with kids. I need A, B, or C in place. I need extra instructors. No problem. Um, we're working with them right now as an example on a Palau liveaboard. And it's a gorgeous boat. It's absolutely beautiful. But there's only single beds. And so I, I said to Clay and Sue, I need a really big favor. This is huge. I'm asking them to remake their rooms and create at least four to six rooms where there's queen beds or king beds. I mean, who would do that for someone, right? But Clay and Sue are, again, not big box. They get it. They understand how important families and kids are. And I got it. We're working on it, Margo. And I think we might be able to have those cabins ready for you by the time your trip comes. So um, I just am really excited about, about working with the partners that we choose to work with. So again, it's not really financing. When I book charters, um, for example, we charter all of Turquoise Bay and Roatan. We put down a deposit and up on our website and we're in a lot of magazines. I don't think there's anyone in the whole world that's doing what we do with kids. Um, so I don't, unfortunately, I don't have competition. I really want competition. I will even help create competition. Um, but I really want to... Um, you know, just emphasize that I think I have been able to do what I do because the dive industry is a very unique industry. And I think at the end of the day, we all help each other. We all realize how small our industry is. It's like what you're doing today. You know, um, I write for several magazines and I provide content just because I think families out there want a source of where they can take their kids, how they can dive safely, what vacations can they go on. So I really don't want it to be all about me. I just want families and kids to be joining the dive industry and diving because the future of our oceans depend on it. And I think that the businesses that I work with, we all are like-minded. We all agree Um that we need to work together. So like I said, the resorts that you'll find on my website make it possible. I mean, how would a little girl in Columbia, South Carolina be able to charter a $54 million resort? Trust me, it wouldn't happen unless I have that relationship. I mean, to me, my word is my law. I, I'm very transparent. I'm probably the most honest person I know next to my husband. And I really love the partners that I work with. I care about them and we come together to make things work. You know, I would say to you that the businesses that I work with, we have, we're, we're like family. I mean, Luigi with Ari Nui, we just booked 15 charters with him. And when COVID hit, you know, we paid him way up in front to help keep him going and we fulfilled all of our charters we didn't have a single cancellation do you know that i will tell you we had over 350 reservations no joke we did not have a single cancellation every family rebooked and as of this summer every one of those families has taken their trips and and 
and the majority of them have booked more. So again, you know, I'm a business that I answer my phone. People can call my number and Margot's sitting here, you know, ready to talk with them. I think that um, it's just, we're a very special industry. There's not, I don't think there's anything like us in the world. You know, I really, you can, you can call and talk to Doug McNeese. You can call and talk to Drew Richardson. You can, you can walk into a dive shop and speak to the owner. You can call the owner of a hotel. You, you have access and privilege that's just based on, you know, a warm, fuzzy feeling that I don't think you have in any other industry in the world. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. Right. I certainly don't know of any other. Okay. I don't want to keep you too long because I know you're busy. But just one thing I wanted to to um, ask you about, and uh, it's an obvious thing with diving because divers of any age are the only people that are actually able to personally witness what is happening in the oceans, whatever age they are. And when I do dive with young people, I always feel secretly slightly sad that they're not seeing what I saw years ago because it's all got because it's gone overfished pollution what, what whatever the reasons and one of the things you can't I can't say to a young person is oh you should have seen him many years ago because why would I want to depress them they're having a great time they've seen a turtle and they think life is wonderful and it is of course whereas 10, 20 years ago, they might have seen 100 turtles. What I do try and do is encourage them to see what they have now and try and move their thought processes to conserve, conserving and preserving what they have in whatever way they can do it. Do you actually tackle the conservation subjects in any depth or do you just let it take care of itself in a way and let their interests foster themselves? I think it's a combination of, of both of those things. Um, at our, on the trips that we host, for example, Christina Zanato, I, I'm, I'm sure you must know who she is in the Bahamas. She's the shark dentist and she does a lot for, for um, saving sharks and educating people about sharks. She came with us this summer uh, to Belize and it was, it was fantastic to have her because she had, had all of these thesis and ideas of behaviors and, and everything with the sharks in the Bahamas, but she got to experience a whole new behavior with, with sharks, the, the nurse sharks in Belize, she got to see the barrier reef. Um, so I think that you are correct. There, there are places that, that you have been diving or I have been diving where it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's not the same and, and it may never be the same, but you also know that there are, are hope spots, as Sylvia Earle calls them, around the world that are thriving, that are doing really well. So when we take kids to Palau or the Philippines or Indonesia, and they see those beautiful thriving corals, the soft corals, the hard corals, the marine environments that exist around those corals, 
they do learn what it should be like. They do see what it could be like. And it does phase them. I took a group of kids this year on the Airy Nui to um, Komodo. Um, those children had only ever dove Cayman Islands, Roatan, and Bonaire. When they got to Indonesia, it, they were overwhelmed with the magnitude of life and color and the marine environment. And it does inspire them to learn and to protect and to preserve and to ask questions, why? And believe it or not, there I have been able to find little nooks and crannies in the Caribbean, such as in Dominica and in St. Lucia, where there is a thriving macro environment and where the stony coral disease has wiped out so many reefs there's soft corals and sponges and sea fans growing in growing in their place. I think that especially like in Roatan, where it was one of the first to be completely devastated by the stony coral disease, it's thriving again. The marine parks are taking care of their reefs. They're educating people. In Bonaire, you have to buy a wristband that supports the local um marine i think it's the 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 reef renewal program um so i think that in itself each of the resorts and the environments are educating people i mean i see it all over the world even in the aquarium industry people are are sharing information about not collecting live rock not only on the level of the consumer but on the level in fiji there was huge push on uh, MES foundation trying to teach locals not to blow up their coral reefs and sell them as live rack that these are protecting their islands so I think it's just little tiny baby steps but I believe it's getting out there I believe that there's there's so many places on on TV on Netflix on YouTube where you can learn and you can see the whole transition of what you're talking about. And I think it's just as parents, it's our obligation to make sure that our children are reading it, seeing it, experiencing it, and then doing something about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Margaret, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, say goodbye for now but um i hope we can catch up again sometime soon oh i hope so too i could chat forever in a day if you ever need anything any questions that you have or anybody that would like to you know find out more about what they can do or where they can go i'm i'm always just you know loving to provide information to anyone that would like to learn and grow fantastic thank oh. you thank you margo thank you Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it.